Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to our podcast series, The Transformational Impact of Data on Business. And today with our episode, How Real-Time Data Supports Application Development in the Cloud. Today, I have the great pleasure to have Hanu Valto in the podcast, and he's the vice president and co-founder of Aven. And maybe you can shortly introduce yourself, Hanu. Sure. My name is Hanu Walton. I lead the product side of things at Ivan. We are a database as a service and messaging as a service platform, which operates in all the public clouds. We basically offer eight different open source databases as managed services. Sounds good. And I'm Ronald van Loon. I'm your host today for the whole podcast. I'm also director at the data analytics consultancy firm, course advisor for Simply Learn for AI and big data courses. I created a coaching course series for business leaders and for C-level executives, how to succeed in the intelligent economy. And I'm proud to be awarded as a top 10 global influencer in the domain of AI and machine learning and big data by Analytica. We'll be giving away two of this AI strategy coaching series at the end of the podcast today with a value of $1,500 each. So stay tuned till the end and you make chance to, to get one of these. But let's dive in into the discussion of today, how real-time data supports application development in the cloud. And Hanu, you have substantial experience in retail, in the energy markets, in Internet of Things. Can you give some compelling examples of how companies use data in both their in-store and in their operation and how they stay competitive and deliver a really better customer experience with the help of data-driven solutions? Sure. So as mentioned, like our customers have a wide range of industries from energy markets where people are using Internet of Things sensors like smart meters where they measure how much electricity uh, a consumer is using, then this data is further refined into actual bills and they can also be used for seeing what kind of demand levers are expected coming from customers. It's basically refined uh, multiple different levels until it ends up being also useful for operational planning, but it's also eventually used for actual bills. Then we have good examples of where, for example, Comcast is using our services with their internet things basically for home automation. So uh, the idea is that you come to your home, open the door, and you can set the home automation, start playing your favorite song, or you can also have it that your home automation actually turn on the lights at the given time or things like this nature. But these are all based on internet things like sensors or machines sending data that is processed in real time in a streaming fashion. Do you have also some examples and cases from retail? Sure. Some of our customers are like audio, for example, where basically our retail customers often have point of sales, basically machines that basically well collect your cash when you're doing a purchase. And then this data gets transmitted further on, for example, Apache Kafka, where then different streaming services start processing data These update things like inventories that, okay, we have sold item X. And then there are other kinds where basically uh, you just add up what kind of sales have you been doing. But basically everything uh, starts uh, often from a purchase of a customer. So we have basically experience from a wide range of different industries. Let's dive a little bit more deeper into this. Let's say it starts with the purchase 
from a customer. And especially if we look to retailers, they have to deliver both this online and this offline experience based upon this data-driven applications. And if we then look to this retail, what type of data use retailers in general or specific cases that you have? Retailers, it really depends on what kind of things they're selling. So um, some people, based on a like point of sale, uh, they start doing inventory management and their focus is on basically planning and enterprise resource planning around that. Uh, but that's basically for inventory level items. Some people are more interested in seeing real-time sales data. Historically, if you had a case where, um, you let's say you sold a book, at the end of the day, sum up how many books did I sell, and basically you'd get your revenue numbers. But also that meant that if you needed to get more inventory, you couldn't do that in real time or anything approaching that. So these new approaches basically have given retailers better inventory control as well as better reporting data. Yeah, and what we see is that retailers as well, they combine this internal data to get this unified customer view, but also combine it with external data from either locations or market data or demographics, other type of external data, and indeed to predict whether it's spending patterns or customer journey analytics or demand forecasting. So in all different kinds of, of ways to improve the prediction. And can you give some examples and then specifically in retail where you see substantial growth in the number of sources? And on the other hand, you see a growth in the requirements for real-time data. The sources is basically coming from companies having more and more different point of sales or analytical things coming from how customers are interacting with them. They go to their website and you get tracking data from that. But it's no longer good enough to actually have at the day's end to do a batch job where you actually calculate what has been happening. Companies more and more demand a real-time view of their data, both from a sourcing point of view but also from a analytics uh, demand uh, view, like uh, operational view, as in what should we be focusing on next? Because all of these customers are coming to look at the latest Harry Potter book, for example. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's a nice example indeed. And if you then look to these retailers, do they collect their data pipelines? How did they do this in the past? And you help them improving the data pipelines and how do they do this right now after you have helped them? So historically, as mentioned, like these point of sales things weren't centrally connected. So at the end of the day or at the end of the week, they basically just collated how we sold of item X. Then they combined them with some sort of a batch job. These days, almost all of these point of sale, well, many of them at least, basically send data real time on what's actually happening. And then the companies can process it for multiple different needs in real time, giving way better latencies for their own operational statuses. So instead of waiting for an answer from a reporting point of view for a week, you can actually see the data in real time as the sales are happening in your own stores. What we see as well is that many retailers in general, many companies have, of course, lots of legacy systems and they store the data in separate silos. They don't have a single real-time view of, of the customer engagement. And what we see as well, it can be, as you mentioned, quite ineffective if you want to have seasonal purchasing patterns, for example, with holiday sales spikes. You don't want to have them after the holiday. You want to, to have them in real time. And if you look to these type of, let's say, approaches and, and challenges, what type of challenges and what type of limitations are retailers nowadays facing? 
Well, one of the biggest is, of course, uh, like legacy setups. Uh, basically, not everybody is equipped to start moving towards the real-time things. So we help a lot of our customers in having streaming platforms readily available so they can actually use them, uh, whether you're a small retailer or whether you're a Fortune 500. We basically try to democratize their access to this sort of technology. So basically, legacy hardware is one thing. Then besides the actual collection of the data, the next thing is often uh, how do you run analytics on it? How do you process the data into a meaningful report? Here, historically, people have been using things which were basically batch-oriented. Now, with a streaming world where everything is real-time, some of the skills that applied in this old-fashioned world where things could wait for a week or a month, they don't really apply anymore. So you also have to upskill your staff. What I see as well, you have the, the cultural challenges and technology challenges, and especially the, the skills as well, and improving the data maturity within an organization. And big challenge is all this multiple, disconnected, difficult to replace uh, legacy systems. That's really one of the biggest challenges that organizations are, are facing nowadays. And what you see as well is that there's a lack of understanding in, in different types of data, whether it's first and second and third type of party data, where they struggle with as well. Also, these systems have often grown organically, as in companies have grown through acquisitions. So it's not the exact same level of hardware and technical sophistication across their whole operations. Some bits of it uh, may be much newer and uh, much a better fit for this sort of approach. Mm -hmm. Often these have also grown through inertia and not through deep enterprise planning on what should we be doing next. You mentioned already, before we started the podcast, you travel all over the world. You're, you're hardly at, at home anymore. You visit many clients where you help them with modern cloud-based data pipeline solutions. And how can these modern cloud-based solutions overcome all these challenges that we just discussed, or most of them, of course, not all of them? Uh, not all of them, I'm afraid, like the world isn't ready yet. Uh, but uh, basically, cloud technology has also allowed companies, like I mentioned, uh, it basically, um, it has lowered the barrier of entry towards having real-time data pipelines in general. And companies like ours basically even try to lower it further. Uh, historically, you needed to be a very large organization who, who had... Uh, Basically, a very expensive SAP or um, other uh, CRM systems which showed this sort of data, but they didn't show it in real time. But it also required very extensive investments before you actually could even do this. For smaller operations, it didn't used to be even possible to do this. So what cloud has done here is basically democratize the access, but it also has come up constantly with new ways of utilizing the data in a more easier fashion. Yeah. And, and from retail, let's move to IoT, to the Internet of Things. I think you have quite some experience at this, as you mentioned already in the beginning. If you look to IoT devices, they both need analytics at the edge. It needs to be combined with a central data analytics in, in the cloud as well. Can you describe a typical IoT case, how data is used in applications such as predictive maintenance and how their data pipeline infrastructure has been set up? We had a case a while back where one of our customers was actually collecting IoT data from within their factory. Uh, basically, they were doing predictive maintenance on some of the production line was basically automated so that they had cameras watching over uh, the product uh, line. 
And what actually uh, they were doing was predictive maintenance on sensors. They basically knew when they were going to fail roughly within like uh, ahead of time. So they could actually proactively replace some of them because the problem was that once you actually lost enough sensors uh, in this particular case, basically they had to uh, shut down the whole product uh, like line within the factory, which cost obviously quite a bit of money. So having predictive analytics in a case like that worked fairly well. But the same is true for many of these IoT sensors. There's often some sense of a failure being imminent. And you, like, while it basically uh, you will still maybe need to actually replace the hardware or the setup where this is running, uh, if you can actually predict ahead of time that, okay, in this city, we have to replace these 20 different sensors this week, but the rest can wait until next month basically also cuts down on cost and helps you plan on how to do maintenance on your things ahead of time. Yeah, I think the, the case is really obvious, increasing the operational performance and indeed what you mentioned, predicting this equipment failures, extend the life cycle of assets as well if you maintain them better and really on, on time, uh, but also often it improves the, the safety for the human workers um, as well. If we look to this IoT type of, of applications. They are different than the retail type of applications. And if we then look from the perspective of real-time ingesting, integrating, and analyzing the data, what are typical challenges that clients explain to you that they're facing? Typically, it comes down to the variety of data and the requirements they have for this data. So typically, their ingestion pipeline is they, one way or another, first ingest the data, and then they basically get into some sort of a streaming pipeline usually. This is like a fire hose of data with at this point you typically don't haven't analyzed it at all. But the thing is, since storing data these days is so cheap, people basically keep data that they can't even use like originally. But this often changes because after the fact, somebody comes up with the idea of how about if we use the data that we already collected that we actually didn't use previously in a new way. So that usually is possible in circumstances like that. Then other challenges that come from this is that even if you process all the data, you still typically need a data storage where to put it at the end of the day. So often these are data warehouses if the data has actual structure that you're aware of, or in this case that I mentioned earlier, that where you're not quite sure how you're going to use the data in the future, but you still kind of want to keep on to it, like hold on to it. Uh, in those cases, you often uh, put them into some sort of a data lake. Of course, both of these come with their own sets of complications, operate both operationally and like staff, like skills that are required to actually operate and actually get the answers that you need out of your own data. Yeah, and then next to this, uh, what, what I see as well is data security sometimes is challenging as, as devices are quite vulnerable. Uh, according to a forecast from Gartner, I think it's there 41.6 billion devices by 2025. And to keep them all secure is, is quite a challenge. And all the legacy systems is also quite a challenge quite frequently to manage. So if you look how to solve these, these challenges of the streaming data, of the data variety, of their data security, how can they solve basically these challenges to companies that you're working with? Like the problems usually are not on the data center end where we are focused. They're often with the legacy devices where you have limited amount of maintenance, like a limited life cycle for the machines that are producing this and they produce it in a variety of different protocols and different ways of doing things the ideal uh, for the devices themselves would be if you could actually upgrade them after the fact for quite a while 
but this is true for many things for a while but unfortunately we're still this is a fairly new field so nobody has yet cracked like an iot device that would be sending you new data 20 years from now uh, so almost all the devices are still have uh, problems in sending data in an upwards compatible fashion uh, that would make sense 10 years from now yeah and it's definitely a very interesting market there's forecasted um, as well this is by gartner that the next four years 75 percent of all the enterprise generated data will be processed at the edge and if we look to today it's even less than than 10 percent. so this is a tremendously growing market and I think that companies that are in this domain, they definitely have to look look into this as this delivers high fidelity analytics and it increases the likelihood of detecting anomalies as well and then have the possibility to in, immediately take actions and then reducing the downtime and, and reducing and cutting the maintenance type of cost. If we look to what technology and organizational change did these type of companies and, and how do they operate? Did they change it? Did they keep it the same? Can you explain something about this, what your experience is? Typically, they will eventually have to do operational changes. So especially on databases service uh, field where we are operating, typically where the value add from us comes is that we take some of the operational concerns away from the companies. But what that actually means for the companies is that they can actually focus on building value in their actual chosen field of operations. What that actually means is that it does require organizational change and a focus change for many of these companies. And like it doesn't usually come that easily. So it's not organically, you just add a new piece of technology to your existing, you graft it to your existing organization and everything's fine. No, often you will eventually have to do some organizational changes as well to get the benefit of these. What type of timelines do you see to implement and, and how do companies start? Do they start small and grow step by step? It really depends on the company. There's, I don't think there's a general model for this uh, quite yet. So smaller companies typically are more agile as always, uh, but uh, like the larger companies who have more inertia and more uh, like legacy systems that they need to get to working with the sort of setups, uh, basically, they of, uh, obviously have to move slower than uh, the smaller ones. And can you share some results that these companies achieved? I don't really have good numbers for you on this one, but basically it has made things possible that were completely impossible before. Like I mentioned, for example, this Comcast home automation case, where basically every event that's happening in your home turns into a streaming analytics problem to make it actionable. This sort of thing wasn't really possible 10, 15 years ago beyond like the most simple forms of this so open door uh, turn on lights sort of thing so it's not just about efficiency gains that you're going to get out of this sort of thing it's also that things that were not even possible to have a services become uh, possible for you to actually implement and actually sell as services to your own customers okay and is, is there something as more some kind of wrap-up what you would like to share with our audience with retailers with companies that are more in the IoT domain where you have some kind of tips how they should move on how should how should they start I would say that you ought to start small with uh, something that's well understood within your domain 
But instead of grafting what you've always done before and just making it faster and more real time, think about the problem slightly more holistically as in what does this data, if I get it in real time, can I use it for other use cases than before? So not just that you basically reiterate that, okay, there was an event that opened the door, but what else can I do with this data that a person is entering his house that has been empty for a full day? Could we tune the temperature controls in the house based on this? Could we do other things based on this? So basically, it's not just grafting your existing use case to new technology. It's also looking at the possibilities in a holistic way of what can you achieve as new things with the data you had at hand. It's a nice summary to wrap up. Thank you, Hanu. And as mentioned in the beginning, we share a coaching series from How to Succeed in the Intelligent Economy. And you can find the link of the coaching series at www.ronaldvanloon, which is my name, .com, slash EM360, which is from Enterprise Management 360. And I will give away a coaching series for $1,500. And I give it away for free for the first ones who go to this page. And it's there for a limited time. So just have a check, ronaldvanloon.com slash EM360 if you want to be successful in the intelligent economy. And this brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you to all our listeners for joining us today. And thank you, Hanu Valtone, for sharing all your great insights and your experience from traveling all around the world and implementing this cloud solutions all day long. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the EM360 podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.